Empire Live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Lots to do. Paul Nolan's here. Rick Delgado, Rick Amorati's doing sports. Mr. Huh? Nolan in studio. Nobody told me Damon was going to be here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew you were going to be in the studio, so I figured I better uh, Stay look home. my best and be ready. Yeah. You so. see, this, uh, see the outfit I'm wearing, Damon? <laughs> Yeah, you look like you just got off the golf course. I did. I hey. snuck out there. I left work. I said I threw everything in, uh, I wiped it off the desk, ran out to the golf course, got 18 holes in less than three hours, and I played the best round of my life. Oh, very nice. Best wow. round of your life. Wow. I got an 86 on my course, which is better than the 82 I had with you at, uh, at Beth Page. Your nice. course is very difficult, so that is an excellent round. 86 is very, very good. So, I only um, cheated nine times. <laughs> No, I didn't see it at all. How many times did it you, take you to get through the uh, the windmill? Four. Four? All right, that's not bad. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you who should have cheated tonight if they could have, or who should have just stayed home, and that would be uh, Kathy Hochul because I can't believe I missed um, it. Because Kathy Hochul decided, I guess, last minute that it was um, not in her best interest to not debate Lee Zeldin, and tonight we saw exactly why she didn't want to debate Lee Zeldin because she looked totally. All all the Democratic candidates tonight um, that I've heard, at least I saw I saw the Hochul debate. Um, I heard about the Tudor-Dixon debate, and we'll see what goes on with Oz and Fetterman uh, starting about right now. But all the Democrats are debating tonight like they know they're losing. Kathy Hochul looked absolutely overmatched, um, could not answer questions, could not get her get her answers together even in the answers she tried to give she said to lee she said to lee zeldin at one point i, I don't know why locking up criminals is that important to you i swear to god are you she serious said that. i <laughs> swear to god i wish yep. you were watching I, that with the audience oh my goodness she said i don't know why that's so important to you at another part <laughs> at another part <laughs> so first of all the one the two moderators Holy. one of them the the gentleman clearly was in the tank for Hokel. Yes. Um, the, the woman was kind of, I don't know. She was okay. She was kind of middle of the road. I didn't, I didn't sense any huge, um, you know, push towards Hochul from her, but the other guy was just totally in the tank for Hochul, but they gave, they gave them a question. They gave them a moment to ask each other a question, which I guess is kind of a good idea. And so Lee Zeldin just hammered her on corruption. Her question to Lee Zeldin was. Was Donald Trump a great president? And Lee Zeldin proceeded. Well, that was her. That's the best she could come up with for this debate. That's that's what her staff said. I'll get him with this one. Um, Lee Zeldin went on about a. <laughs> Lee Zeldin went on a four-minute, four-minute diatribe on everything he did with the president when COVID hit New York. <laughs> it just it just did not go the way uh, she thought. And you could tell that she was desperate, as all of the Democrat candidates are right now, just by her opening remark. Her opening remarks, which I think we have here, and I'll play them for you right now, are so stunning. Now, she, she flip-flops on almost every position that she's governed on here in the opening minute of her opening statement. Roll it, G. 
Well, nice to see you too as well, Lee. It's uh, looking forward to this conversation. And thank you to Spectrum and <laughs> no, Pace University for hosting this <laughs> debate, this conversation. But it's all about the people tuning in here tonight. I've been your governor. It's the highest sign of my life the last 14 months. Every single day I wake up thinking about how oh, I can yeah. fight harder for you and your families oh, to invest in education for your kids, give you more child care opportunities so you can get back to your jobs. Also, keeping more money in your pockets with middle class tax cuts and property tax rebates but very much focused on public safety and getting more and more legal guns off the streets. <laughs> but also, all the other thing I have to protect, your safety, but also your fundamental rights. What? Your fundamental yeah. rights to be safe, but also to choose what, what you want done with your body, particularly this message is for women. You will see a great contrast here tonight between myself and my record and someone who has been called one of Donald Trump's strongest and most loyal supporters. He helped him on January 6th by supporting <laughs> the overturn of turning up an election. He sent text messages trying to orchestrate the big lie, and he opposes sensible gun safety laws, as well as opposing a woman's right to choose. That's what's on the line here tonight. I'm looking forward to the conversation. That's what's on the line. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, she's not looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> and so she brings up January 6th like twice in like the opening five minutes. She brings up the former president like three, four times. I mean, she was so caught off guard at some parts. Her answers were so bad. On crime, she had no answers on crime. <laughs> Zeldin hammered her on crime. Uh, he hammered her on corruption. I mean, it was just, it was, do we have that Zeldin cross-examination? If you have that, G, roll it. I, uh, my opponent has lost the trust of so many New Yorkers is they see all these stories with regards to the pay-to-play corruption. Someone hosts a fundraiser for her. And then just days later, she suspends unilaterally New York's competitive bidding laws. Digital Gadgets, that company, makes a pitch to provide COVID tests they don't even make for a contract that was no bid that would have been worth over $600 million, paying far more, twice the price of what California paid. No record that she went to the company to negotiate a better price for the company that actually manufactured the test. This is just one of many examples. So what New Yorkers want to know Question. is what specific measures are you pledging to deal with the pay-to-play corruption that is plaguing you and your administration? I don't accept the premise. There is no pay-to-play corruption. A year ago, just over a year ago, we had a crisis where my responsibility to protect children and get them back in schools when Omicron hit. Remember how terrified we were of Omicron? No. Schools have been no, shut down know. a long no. time. I told my team, you go out and find every single test kit you can find. This was early on. We were hit harder than other states like California that didn't deal with it till later. I did everything I could in my power to get the test kits. I'm glad I did because we got the children back in school in New York and they didn't go back in many other places. There has never been a quid pro quo, a policy change or decision made because of a contribution. Now, what worries me, though, is the fact that you have one billionaire donor who's given you over $10 million, one person. Is this your I'm, question, Mrs. No, I'm answering his. <laughs> I already answered his question. There's, there's no pay-to-play corruption. And the policies are, we don't do it anyhow, so why would I change? We're going to make sure right, we gee, have internal control. <laughs> so, so you see, this is, by the way, um, all of, all of this footage is credited to uh, Spectrum New York One, who had just held the debate. Um, but you see what she's doing? She just has, I mean, she literally has no answers to any, she has no answers to that. So she doesn't answer his question there, right. as she did all night long. She didn't answer almost anything that the moderators asked, 
Moderators asked her about abortion. Very, very simple. Do you have any restrictions on abortion at any time, even in the third trimester? She goes on some diatribe about something totally unrelated, about you know women's health. My daughter doesn't have enough rights like I used to have. <laughs> she just would not answer questions. And of course, Lee Zeldin did a great job when they came to him of saying, uh, I just want to make note that uh, she didn't answer your question, of course, because she can't answer your question. Right. Because she can't stand up here and say, no, I'm for killing kids right up to the moment of birth, which is what her position is. And that's the position of the New York City mayor. Who, by the way, she tells us that she walks the streets of New York City every day at some point. And now she lives in Albany, so I don't know. <laughs> well, she does that. I'm not what sure is, how the, she does that. Is she, is she beaming herself down there? Yeah, she does. But uh, she says she walks the, um, in relation to crime, she walks the New York City streets every day, she told us. And so, I mean, this was. And she doesn't know why the, that, uh, I love what you said in the open, that she doesn't know why, you know, criminals, you know, putting criminals in jail is such a big thing. I mean, that's, that's stunningly stupid. All you have to do is go on social media. You can find video after video of, of criminals. Uh, attacking people, pushing people onto a subway track, stabbing someone, crapping in a can. I mean, you up and down, up and down. I mean, it's it's insane. You see people yep. walking down the street; they look like pincushions with hypodermic needles sticking out of them all over the place. It's you can't go in that city anymore. No, no, can't go do we there. Have, no, a uh, friend. Do we have clip uh, clip four? From the Zeldin Hochul debate clip four, because this is where I think she says to him, if if we're lucky and this is the right clip, this is the clip where she says to him, I don't know why this is that important to you. If we have that. Uh, uh, just give it. us a minute on that. Right. Yeah. Okay. It, it, you know why it's important? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, a couple of people were shot in front of my house two weeks ago, Governor. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. maybe that. that well, could... You know, she says it. I she says it in baby. one of those. <laughs> She says it in one of those moments that she's clearly um, trying to think on her feet because she's so overwhelmed because he's just whacking her and whacking her and whacking her on every single thing that are uh, on the forefront of New Yorkers right now on crime and inflation and the cost of everything. And, you know, so he's he's just whacking her and whacking her and corruption, 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 guys who got arrested from you um, in your, you know, in your administration. So it was one of those moments where she was just clearly overwhelmed, had nothing to say, because, again, what we said, they can't stand on their policies. They can't really argue their policies. Well, so she tries to not answer all the questions. All right, we and it was just one of those one of those things that slipped out. So if we have that, she roll it. I don't know why it's just so hard to to articulate what needs to get done. When you have a district attorney refusing to enforce the law, stand up. When you were asked about the Jose Alba case, I was in front of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office that day. You had a press conference. You were asked. You said it was a local decision. You're not going to get involved in it. I said Alvin Bragg should be removed. You said he just got there. Cut him some slack. He's doing his job. I say that we should overhaul cashless bail. You're saying that there's no data to support it. You have to elect me to find out what my position on it. Thank you, Mr. Zelda. January. Okay, so we don't have her follow-up, but her follow-up there, she stammers and stammers for like 10 seconds, and then she looks to him and says, well, he's locking up these criminals. I don't know why that's so important to you. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just went, huh? The oh, other yeah. moment that I went, the, I'm sorry, Rick, hold on. The yeah. other moment that I said, huh, is she says to him on the abortion question, she says, well, you know, uh, to all you New Yorkers out there watching this debate, Lee Zeldin right now has his name 
on a bill that's entitled Life Begins at Conception. <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh, is that a bad thing? Do you, do you not want to be known for having your name on that bill? What is she, what is she trying to imply here? Right. So, I mean, there was just some moments that I just, you just couldn't believe. And you know what's you know it's kind of reminiscent um, when you, you because you saw basically most of the debate. We just kind of walked in and saw a little bit of it uh, about her not answering questions. It's almost like with Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock um, that was right here on Real America's Voice about a week and a half ago. Every time he was asked a question, Warnock, he didn't answer it. He danced around. He shucked and jive. And Herschel would come on and go, you know what? He goes, there you go. He didn't answer the question again. I guess that's what you learn in Washington. And he kept pointing it out each and every time. And I think that was a strong, strong thing for him that makes him connect with people locally. Yeah. Well, like I said, we started the show. We'll have more clips throughout the night of the Fetterman Oz. Um, the great people at Real America's Voice are trying to put them together as we get them. Uh, we'll have more from this debate, obviously, on Hochul Zeldin. And we'll have the Tudor Dixon and Ava Perone debate. And uh, uh, Tudor just, from what I understand, Tudor had another great night. Uh, so we'll get some clips of that as well. So uh, lots to do. But we'll get back to this because Kathy Hochul, like I said, she should have taken the night off. Live from Studio 6B, just getting started on a Tuesday. We'll do news, we'll do sports. Lots to do on a Tuesday. Glad you're in. on a Tuesday. Glad you're in. Lots to do. We'll get uh, to more of the debate coverage. Obviously, tonight you've got uh, Tudor Dixon and Ava Perone. You've got uh, Freakman and Oz. And obviously, we've been talking about Hochul and uh, Lee Zeldin tonight. Lee Zeldin just whooping her around the stage all night long. I mean, she just had, she was just lost. I mean, she's just, I, I, again, she's like all every other Democratic candidate tonight. Like, number one, uh, debating like they they know they're losing and are going to lose. And, and just, um, just the difference in being able to stand on your courage of your own convictions and be able to defend your policies and have the conversation and make the arguments, um, you know, the difference is just stark. So is that why Hillary um, put out her uh, public service announcement today that that's the uh, that right wing extremists are going to uh, planning to oh, steal right. the election? Is that why like she, she to prep us all the, the you know, a, a preconditioning for us? It's unbelievable. WTF of the day since he brought it up. G, roll it. I'm crazy. I'm here to highlight something that I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm oh elections, and they Why are the incredibly <laughs> important. But we also have to look ahead. Right wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal literally. the next oh, presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election 
could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures. But there's also good news in the face of this very real threat to democracy. <laughs> Indivisible has launched Crush the Coup to make sure we're ready to defend democracy in 2024. Will you support Crush the Coup by donating to Indivisible and state legislature candidates? Each of these races is highly competitive and your dollars could very well decide the winners and the winner of the next presidential election. This could not be more important or more urgent. God, she's frightening. Wow. I'm crazy. Crush the coup. It's crazy. It's just plain old sinister. Crush the coup. Crush the coup. Didn't we just talk? I talked about this yesterday. When are they going to start with the, oh, they're going to steal the election. Boom. And they roll out Hillary the next day. There you go. I'm done. I'm leaving. When the... um. As Monica Showalter says today, when the shellacking ensues, and you know the ass-kicking is right around the corner, let's bring out Hillary Clinton to start talking like they did. Now, think about what she's saying. This is, this is what's amazing. How tone-deaf can you absolutely be? She says um, state legislatures might be. Um, excuse me. I believe the Constitution, uh, as we know it, right now gives that power to, well, uh, state legislatures. So basically what she's saying is, do you believe these right-wing constitutionalists who actually want it upheld? Well, the That's anachronistic what she's electoral college is really the problem. Yes. What does that even yeah. mean? I mean, think about how often, think about how often after 2020 we talked about state legislatures. And the fact that the whole premise of what everyone argued, of course, Kathy Hochul tonight to Lee Zeldin, ah, yeah, the big lie, yeah, the big lie, this idiot doesn't know anything about what she's talking about. The whole premise of what people like Lee Zeldin and others who were called election deniers and the big lie uh, were talking about leading up to the events of January 6th were the fact that state legislatures already hold the power to, 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 to decide what votes are legal and what votes are not in a state. So when you saw Mark Elias going into Pennsylvania and, and these slip and fall Democrat lawyers going into all these states and changing election law without the state legislatures going through the process of actually changing it the way the Constitution says it's supposed to be, that's the point. So here she is, oh, state legislatures might be. Yeah, guess what? That's what it was supposed to be. So they're just so scared that the federal Constitution might actually have to be upheld when it comes to how our elections are run. This is why they drag her ass out there to make these stupid videos today. It's just oh. unbelievable. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And nothing turns anybody else off more than Hillary. I mean, talk about the most unlikable person. I think even within her own family, I don't think her family likes her all that much. You know, Bill doesn't. I mean, geez, he's always spending time trying to get away from her. <laughs> yeah, well. well honestly. And now they wheel her out like, oh, she's going to help us unite the country. No, she's not. Well, she's just uniting us against you. Against her. That's about it. Ugh. Ugh. Boy, between her and Pelosi and Kamala. Oof. And Hochul. They all got those big wide eyes like, ah, oh, we're crazy. They're going to they're gonna steal an election. Shut up. I mean, it really yeah. is. It's, 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 it's like the view, but 
From hell. <laughs> the view from hell, yeah. That's it. All right, let's do some sports here and hear what that is. Slick Rick, Rick Amorati, what's going on, pal? All right, Big D, let's jump to the NHL. Kathy Hochul isn't the only one in New York getting put on ice. Avalanche and Rangers in the garden. No score. 12 minutes to go in the first period. Wild Don't we over usually start sports with a recap of the uh, previous night odds makers? Uh, yeah, you know, a little you amnesia forgot? on that one there. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, the Bears showed up to Gillette Stadium, and uh, they, they did a job on the Patriots. Why? I didn't see that one coming. So my uh, lock last night, yeah, I got picked. So that was that. So <laughs> I lost five Gs. I gave all that hard work this weekend out the window. Eh, such a life, such a life of a gambler. But uh, we'll be back uh, the, uh, Thursday night. We got footballs coming up, so we'll get we'll definitely have Buccaneers, and we'll see what we take on that big dig. But yes, okay. back down to twenty eight thousand reality sets all right let's move over a little bit uh, some sad news um uh, owner of gold's gym killed in plane crash in costa rica uh, this is san jose costa rica ap report the rsg group of gym outlets including gold's gym and mcfit confirmed monday that founder and ceo Rainer shala a family and friends were aboard a small plane that disappeared from radar just off costa rica's caribbean coast the company issued a statement confirming that Rainer shala his family and two other people were on board the aircraft at the time of the crash the company did not confirm his death despite the fact searchers have found two bodies luggage and pieces of the aircraft in the sea. We are shocked, stunned, and full of grief about this tragic accident. The RSG statement read, The news during the uh, last few days has shaken us deeply, and our thoughts are with the family in these difficult hours. As the situation is currently still being investigated on site, we cannot comment further. Uh, Schaller is listed as the founder, owner, and CEO of the RSG Group, a conglomerate of 21 fitness, lifestyle, and fashion brands that operates in 48 countries and has 41,000 employees, either directly or through the franchise. On Sunday, Costa Rica's security ministry said the bodies of one adult and one child have been found at a site about 17 miles off the coast from the Laman uh, airport, but said the bodies had not yet been identified. So sad news for Gold's Gym, uh, one of the, the trendsetters over the years for gyms for many years, for a matter of fact. Um, and some update on that. NFL refs weren't seeking Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Evans' autograph. You see, Big D? Kevin Seifert, ESPN staff writer. A post-game interaction between two game officials and Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiver Mike Evans did not involve a request for an autograph, the NFL said in a statement earlier today. Following the Buccaneers' 21-3 loss to the Carolina Panthers, 13.40 a.m. Fox Sports captured video of side judge Jeff Lamberth and line judge Trip Sutter calling Evans' name. Evans then wrote something on a card they handed him. Apparently he was giving a phone number to a golf, getting a phone number through a golf pro that he knew in Texas. Uh, apparently, the um, NFL Network reported Tuesday that Lamberth, like Evans, went to Texas A&M and wanted to receive his phone number to give to a golf professional so he can give Evans lessons. Lamberth didn't have a card for Evans to write his number on, so he borrowed one from Sutter, according to the NFL Network. See, logical explanation, Big D. NFL, they know the rules and uh, innocent, uh, little innocent uh, action there, but you know, that, you can't always judge a book by its covers. So NFL's covered itself, and the refs, they're clean. And that's a wrap. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. We'll get back to the debates. Lots of other stuff to get to. Glad you're in on a Tuesday night. We're back right after this.
Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Glad you're in. Lots to do. We're covering all three of the debates tonight. Tudor and Ava Perone, Freakman and Oz, and of course, Zeldin <laughs> and um, Hochul that just ended. And um, Kathy Hochul, you know, good for her for deciding maybe I should debate and actually be able to stand up to him. Well, she should have taken the night off because she absolutely got destroyed. So, and she sounded really quite buffoonish on many, on most of the questions. And we'll get to the two that we've talked about a lot here. Uh, after we do some news and hear what the news is, Paul Nolan, what's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, um, I don't know if you guys heard this story. It wasn't somehow or another, it wasn't um, big news in the mainstream media. Mass shooter identified in St. Louis school shooting as Deshaun Orlando Harris had posted threats on social media and numerous photos with guns. Uh, two people were killed and several wounded in a shooting at Central Visual and Performing Hearts High School in St. Louis on Monday morning. Uh, a woman and a female student were killed in the shooting in the schools uh, on Kingsway Highway. Uh, the gunman was killed by police. The toll could have been w- worse, but the student's uh, and uh, gun had the the shooter's gun had jammed. Uh, was said by uh, students who witnessed it. The shooting took place around 9 a.m. Um, at Central Visual and Performing Arts High School, which she has a building to the Collegiate School of Medicine and Bioscience. Both schools were placed on lockdown. Um, the shooter was identified as Deshaun Harris, a uh, former student at the high school. He was very active on social media before his social uh, before his shooting spree. Um, the mainstream media suddenly lost interest in the shooting when they found out that the shooter was not white. So I just wanted to post that story. These stories only matter to the media when they can vilify a certain race of people. So I just think um, I, I just find it just disgusting again and abhorrent that the way the media. You know, does what it does. Well, it's all um, about their narrative. It's all about their narrative. Always. And, uh, you know, if everyone had guns around, they could have killed him before because we've seen all kinds of shootings averted by armed, honest, honorable citizens who are trained to use their weapons. So uh, if you guys want to comment on it, otherwise, uh, San Francisco uh, pending $1.7 million on a single public toilet. The cost is insane. <laughs> This is uh, plans for a new public bathroom are drawing questions after the price went public, but many U.S. cities spend millions on public comfort stations. San Francisco's Park Department is poised to spend $1.7 million to build a new public bathroom that won't even open to 2025. Uh, mm-hmm. Residents in the Bay Area uh, have been requesting a public bathroom since the town square opened in 2016, and San Francisco at large has been grappling with a rising poop problem as uh, complaints to the city's 311 hotline about human and animal feces on the streets have been steadily increasing since 2012. So the city was poised to celebrate receiving funding uh, from the state budget on Wednesday for the long-awaited building. Um, City uh, Assemblymember Matt Haney canceled the press conference to celebrate the funding of the project uh, as the San Francisco Chronicle column that called out the bathroom seven-figure price tag, which he asked, what are they making out of gold? And Haney uh, told the Chronicle that the cost was inexplicable, and now he will fight... He'll, he will fight this because the media did their job and reported on this insanity. So those are two quick what's stories. The, um, what's the nightly rate? Have they said what it's going to be yet? Right. I mean, you know, like the, like somebody's just going to uh, just claim this is their home and <laughs> right. nobody's going to be allowed to use it. <laughs> he said that. Are they going to have a $1.7 million condo <laughs> right. right in the yeah. middle of the city yeah. where everybody takes what's a dump? The, uh, what's, the go- what's the going rate? That's what we want to know. Yeah, that's, it's that's pure exactly. insanity. But if there's yeah. no corruption or pay-for-play contractors in this one, I'm sure. 
it just doesn't well, stop. Z- so. And and Zeldin was uh, Zeldin was was nailing her about that tonight. One of many things. Um, all right, thanks, Paul. We'll do some more news. Speaking of of Zeldin whacking her um, tonight, <laughs> let's get to the abortion question. So here, so just listen to the question, and then and then listen to her answer. Or, or non-answer, Rolichi. And Mrs. Hochul, you say that you support a woman's right to choose and make her own reproductive choices in regards to abortion and contraception. Is there any restrictions around abortion that you would approve of? What we have in New York State is simply a codification of Roe v. Wade. So what has been out there since the Supreme Court, before the Supreme Court, undid 50 years of progress for women so women like myself and my daughter would have a right my granddaughter does not have the same right that i had to make a determination in concert with myself or my doctor if it's after the six months so we have the same restrictions and anyone who says otherwise is just incorrect but what is so appalling is the sort of general campaign conversion that we're trying to hear from lee zeldin who will say oh no i really won't change any i really nothing changed the day after the dobbs decision you know why nothing changed the day after the Dobbs decision? It's because I'm the governor of the state of New York and he's not. So we can talk about policies all you want, but let's look at the record. There is very few people in Congress who have a more pro-life record, someone who said he'd bring on a pro-life health commissioner. You know how much power that person has over, over decisions on regulations? They could literally use their power to shut down clinics. So that is a frightening spectacle. Women need to know that that's on the ballot this November as well. I want to ask uh, Mr. Zeldin, so polls do show that by large majorities, New Yorkers support the right to have an abortion, something that you do not support. You've said that you won't change the state law, but what if a Republican legislature did change the abortion laws? Would you sign a bill in law. Well, first off, there's not going to be a Republican legislature in January, and there's a less than 0% chance that Carl Hasty, the Speaker of the Assembly, is going to send me a bill that's rolling back the law in 2019. Uh, fundamentally disingenuous answer just now from, uh, from my opponent. First off, you asked the specific question whether or not uh, my opponent supports any restriction at all on abortion. Of course, she doesn't answer it. That's not a coincidence, and she didn't forget. Now, what I have stated was that the day after the Dobbs right, decision, the law in New York was... So, yeah. So, see, Zeldin didn't let her off the hook, even though the demonerators would try would, would have let her off the hook. Right. He wouldn't let her off the hook because, obviously, she didn't, she didn't answer the question. She doesn't even understand the Dobbs decision. I mean, I, she, I, she's... Go ahead. I was going to say, I find it funny. She was, like, trying to make it as a bad thing. Is like, when you hear somebody say pro-life, he wants to bring in somebody who's pro-life. It's like... As opposed to pro-death? I mean, it's like, uh, does she even listen to what she's saying? Or does she realize what she's saying? Or she's just such a a buffoon that this is is just the stupid stuff that keeps tumbling out of her mouth. Because, you know, she has apostles. Yeah, she's not smart enough. He he brought that up, by the way. He brought that up that she called called them that and she called herself or whatever. You know, he brought that up. yeah, she was so overwhelmed. This is just another one of those moments where, you know, she's she's ill prepared to debate because she's not that smart. Uh Zeldin's way smarter. Zeldin has the courage of of the policies to stand on. Um even in a state like New York where again, like I've been saying, clearly the polls show that New Yorkers are fed up with not only the Cuomo administration that rolled into the Hochul administration, uh they think that she's worse than him. She's an unelected bureaucrat who's destroying the state. New York has the single biggest depopulation numbers of any of the states in the country. There's a reason for that. 
Uh, they regulate you to death here. They tax you to death here. Um, so they everybody sees what's going on, and she knew it. And you could just tell. Again, she's debating from a point of somebody who knows they're losing, or at least in a race tighter than they thought they'd be in. Right. Is at least nervous going into November 9th, uh, November 8th. Um, and she just sounded like a buffoon most of the night. She had nothing to come back at him on. She has no policies to stand on. And she said stupid things in moments of like her brain trying to work to say something, but it just wouldn't work. <laughs> like this moment, uh, this is the moment on crime where, again, she has no idea what to say. How do you defend what people can see with their own two eyes walking around the city, seeing the news every night, seeing the killings, the stabbing, the pushings, the this, the that? They see the news every night. How do you defend that if you're her? She tried to walk away from it all night long. Well, this is the moment that caught my attention. Roll that, G. There is a crime emergency. My opponent thinks that right now there's a polio emergency going on, but there's not a crime emergency. Different priorities that I'm hearing from people right now, they're not being represented from this, this governor, who still, to this moment, we're at, what are we, halfway through the debate? She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. All I know is that we could do more. Well, when I said <laughs> we that could we do should more. Excuse out. me, I'm speaking. Sure, go ahead. We could do so much more. If there was a nationwide ban, but certainly a state ban on teenagers being able to get guns, assault weapons. I mean, that's what happened in Buffalo. A teenager walked into a, a shop and was able to buy an assault weapon, the kind you use on military battlefields. It happened just yesterday in St. Louis. When are we going to start talking about the crimes that are the most frightening? And that's murders and shootings, which across this country are down about 2%. New York State, because you've worked so hard on this since I became governor, they're down 14%, down 18% on Thank Long you, Island. Mrs. I, I don't know why it's just so hard to, to articulate what needs to get done. When you have a district attorney refusing to enforce the law. Stand up. When you were asked about the Jose Alba case, I was in front of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office that day. You had a press conference. You were asked. You said it was a local decision. You're not going to get involved in it. I said Alvin Bragg should be removed. You said he just got there. Cut him some slack. Right, Jim, He's doing good. his job. Well, I think we saw, we saw that in the last clip. So there, so there you go. I don't know why it's so important to you. And Kathy Hochul, I guess, thinks that the only crime that's going on in New York, in New York or New York State or New York City is, is, is crime dealing with some kind of guns. Like, there's nothing else to worry about. Yeah, right. teen teenagers what? with guns. It seems to be her, her main focus. Yep. Yeah, like, that's, all the, that's the only crime that there is. They're not not people, getting, uh, people getting assaulted, stabbed, raped, pushed on the train tracks, uh, everything else. No, it's just only, only if it's, there's a gun involved, Kathy Hochul ha has the need to address it by talking about things that are happening in other parts of the country. And I mean, she just... Go ahead. No, and at this point, essentially, the government of New York is taking half of every dollar you make. You work, you know, 12 months out of the year, they're going to take half of it between your property tax, your income tax, the state tax, the sales tax, uh, every toll, everywhere. Essentially and eventually, you're going to give about half of your labor to the state. For what? For what? To be afraid to go into the city? To be afraid to go on a train at night? I mean, the state is gone. I mean, it's, it's nothing like it was. And at one point when we talk about the fact that they're robbing every one of us, and there are all these no-bid deals. The, the relationship between Hochul and, and the, uh, the Pagulas and the, and, the, and the stadium in Buffalo and the contracts that are going to be made off that, there's endless, there's so many links back to Hochul and you know, people of their ilk who were just all politically tied in. And she was placed in a, in a spot because she knew she would aid and abet these non, you know, no-compete bids across the state. 
I mean, it's just, it's a never-ending game of robbery. We don't, it doesn't end here. It's so criminal. Mm, never-ender game of robbery. I like that, Paul. That's exactly right. So, well, so that's the majority of what I saw in the debate. I mean, she was really just overmatched. And again, we talked about, you know, why uh, people like Ava Perone and and her and Fetterman with Oz. And uh, from what I can tell already, I don't know how many of these clips we'll get. The Fetterman debate on, from what I can tell and the feedback on social media already is laughably horrendous for Fetterman. <laughs> he can barely complete sentences. Literally, Fetterman opens the debate by saying, hi, good night, everybody. No, I swear to God, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That. He says, hi, good night, everybody. That's how he opens the debate. Please, I need that clip. Oh. That's that's like Fetterman. one of those old comics would do. Like, hey, everybody, and they start clapping. It's like, all right, good night. Yeah, that's take my Fetterman. wife. That's a Howard Mandel asked, thing. It's a, it's a thing. Whew. Fetterman's asked about previously saying he wanted to eliminate fracking. His answer, quote, I support fracking, and I don't. I support fracking, and I do support fracking. That's literally word for word what I'm reading. So. I'll try to effort some clips out of this Fetterman-Oz debate. People are saying nice of him to do a Biden impersonation to open the debate. So this has just got to be an absolute disaster going on. I said before we went to the break, the, this Fetterman debate with Oz <laughs> is so off the rails from what I could tell already. And um, the Pennsylvania voters are hopefully hopefully seeing what an absolute um, injustice has been served to try to keep this from you, how bad uh, John Fetterman in the shape that he is in. Not, he, he, he could not only, not only serve, he can barely speak. And that's not a joke. That's just the facts. And um, if the bar is what President Trump went through, then this guy should be nowhere near getting a, a single vote, never mind any votes or even in this race. This guy is incoherent. He's radical. He is um, dangerous and clearly not up for, and he's, not, he's not up for going to the Dairy Queen and bringing home flying saucers, <laughs> never mind being a senator. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Um, all right, but so we'll get to some of these clips. But let's do. Uh, let's start with. Let's do some sports here and here with that. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell, mypillow.com/lfs6b. Use our code as you're shopping for the holidays or whatever you need from uh, Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Great stuff. LFS6B at checkout. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D, enough horsing around with these debates. Let's go to the rodeo. Nile Pro Rodeo, Billings, Montana. This is at the first interstate arena over the weekend. All-around cowboy, Eli Lord, 31-30. Steer wrestling and team roping. Bareback riding winner, Jacob Lee is 86 and a half points on 
Powder Pro River Rodeos. Heads up, Hank. 1973. Steer Wrestling. Billy Bolden. 3.9 seconds. Good score. Team Roping. Clayton Van Aken and Jaden Johnson. 4.7 seconds. Saddle Brock. Houston Brown. 87 points on Powder River Rodeos. Foxy Mama. There's Foxy Mama again. <laughs> Tie down Roping. Owen Walhart. 9 seconds. Flat. 25.40. Barrel Racing. Great score. Haley Garrison. 14.43 seconds. $3,021. Last but not least, Bull Riding. Cole Wagner, 32 points on Powder Pro Reviews, number 964G, $7,400. Obviously, no other qualified rides, hence the win. $83,459 for the pickup there. And, uh, well, agents, you know, we got the World Series starting on Friday. We got the Phillies going down to Minute Maid Park, take on the Houston Astros, 803 first pitch. We will have that, but we got agents saying Yankees' Aaron Judge could get $500 million in free agency. This is Zach Wasink of Yard Barker. Big name agent Lee Steinberg, we've seen all that name, uh, offered a noteworthy prediction for the type of contract New York Yankees also slugged that Aaron Judge could sign coming up off his historic season. For a piece published Tuesday, Steinberg told Michael McCafferty of Front Office Sports that Judge could land a guaranteed deal of $500 million over 10 years after the 30-year-old set a new American League single-season record of 62 home runs and route to becoming the favorite to earn most valuable player. Steinberg helped negotiate the monster contract Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes received in the summer of 2020. Uh, Judge, meanwhile, rejected a seven-year, $213.5 million contract extension offer from the Yankees before opening day earlier this year. So, I don't know, but I have a funny feeling the Yankees are going to have to come up with this money. Maybe he'll get a hometown discount, is what the article went on to go. Maybe he'll give a few bucks off, because, you know, he's a Yankee at heart. But I'll tell you, that's a lot of money. And for a 30-year-old athlete, it's a big stake. We talked about that last night, Paul, right? Mm-hmm. So we will see. And Brittany Griner's appeal denied U.S. hopes for prisoner swap. Sean Keen of Yard Barker, in a completely anticipated result, Brittany Griner's appeal of her nine-year sentence for possession of vape cartridges was rejected by a court in Moscow. Griner, a star center for the WMEA's uh, Phoenix Mercury, remains in custody as she has since her arrest February 17th. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan released a statement after the verdict. We are aware of the news out of Russia that Brittany Griner will continue to be wrongfully detained under her intolerable circumstances after having to undergo another sham judicial proceeding today. According to ESPN's uh, TJ Quinn, the fear is that Griner could be sent to a penal colony uh, as her original sentence specified, which could happen in weeks or months. That's more dangerous than her current incarceration in a Moscow jail, which has now lasted more than eight months. Quinn also reports, this is important, that U.S. officials don't believe Russia will make any further negotiations until after the U.S. midterm elections in November. So apparently they're waiting before they discuss any further, you know, hostage uh, or I should say prisoner uh, exchanges. Um, hostage is another good word. But that's a rapid sports big day. <laughs> well, we should definitely trade nuclear arms dealers for Brittany Griner. Sure. Yeah. Murderers. I think it'd be good for American morale. Yeah. And a couple draft picks. Yeah. Any, any of um, <clears throat> anybody from her camp talking about Russia being uh, systemically this or systemically that? I wonder anything uh, coming out of there. Uh, any talk like that yet? I heard existential threat, but I don't know what they were talking about. Yeah, nothing from okay. the WNBA. It's always existential threat and extremist and January sixth, and it's always something. You know? yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, thanks, Slick Rick. Uh, again, sports brought to you by MyPillow.com uh, slash LFS6B. Let's do some news. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? By the way, Papa Nolan closing in on 9K. P-O-P-P-A. I'll put all the stories we do here tonight. We'll uh, keep them quick so we get to more clips. But uh, Democratic Senate uh, candidate John Fetterman said during the debate against his opponent, uh, Dr. Oz, that he won't release his full medical records after su- suffering a stroke in May. Uh, he said no. Um to be for transparency is about showing up. I am here to have a debate. Even reading his quotes is difficult. Uh, <laughs> when pressed on the issue, Fetterman said, my doctor believes I'm fit to be serving. Another well-constructed sentence. Closed captioning was provided uh, at the request of Fetterman during the debate. The closed captioning was visible to him and Oz on monitors during the debate. So um, I guess he doesn't have to show him. Good for him, I guess. I mean... Right, the privacy. His doctor wrote a check to his campaign. Um, His his doctor wrote a check to his campaign. (laughs) Well, I think it's legal, but I mean, how do you take the? I mean, how do you take the guy seriously? Oh yeah, he's fit. I mean, and and not only that, that quote-unquote doctor is not a neurological doctor. It's just like his uh, ear, nose, and throat guy. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) Doctor Vinny Vumba. Right, right. He's a hoof and foot guy. Right. Hey, Doc, it hurts when I do this. Don't do this. <laughs> well, Don't do this. Is. Okay. Uh, this is from Blaze Media. Charlie Chris campaign accused Republicans of yelling refried beans at Democrat, but they were chanting, keep Florida free. Um, more goofiness from the media. So uh, Florida gubernatorial campaign took a bizarre turn when the campaign for Democrat Charlie Chris accused Republican supporters of yelling refried beans. Uh, the embarrassing episode unfolded um, when a Democratic communication strategist accused supporters of Republican Governor Ron DeSantis of the racist chant against Chris running mate. Carla Hernandez Matz, who's a Honduran American. DeSantis supported shouting refried beans at Carla was a uh, she was walking to the theater before the debate. There's a sad state of politics, to say the least. Uh, she was immediately um, assailed by those who, with better hearing, including Christina Pusha, uh, a rapid response director for DeSantis, who pointed out they were chanting, keep Florida free, the motto of the campaign. <laughs> so once again, uh, you know, yeah. it's more quackadoodle, wackadoodle stuff. Going on, when you so. get beat, when you get beat so bad that people think you go to the ER after it's done, then you have to start making things up. That's, I mean, you know, it, Governor it's... Go. Governor DeSantis is going to have more support in the Hispanic community than Charlie Chris could ever imagine having in the state of Florida. So, I mean, that's just the that's just you know, that's just Democratic low blow nonsense, is what that is. Well, well, did you hear the latest now? Now they're saying that if you're a Hispanic. Um, you know, you're not really a person of color. You're too white. That's the latest. That's the latest Why? trope coming from, from the left. Who? Huh? From who? Uh, I saw it yesterday. Let me see if I can find the story. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, now they're saying if you're, uh, Hispanics are, are too white, according to... It's one of the race baiters. I think it could be uh, the, the girl uh-huh. who used to be at uh, ESPN or something. Oh. So they must, they must think they're down so much with that demographic that it's time to just cut them loose and I guess they'll go on to something else. Is right. that basically what that, what that represents? I think so. I think they're trying to, uh, try to find another, another group to include in theirs. Yeah. All right. Anything else in news, Paul? 
Uh, just one quick one. Um, New York City cops bust a career criminal in the, after a subway shoving incident. So uh, this guy's been going around. I'll keep it super short. We have 15 seconds. He's been going around shoving people into the trains and smashing people over the head, taking their stuff and running. He's got uh, he's been accused of uh, 16 burglaries in the last two months, and they finally caught him. And he's out 20 minutes later. Kathy Hope was wondering why it's so important to uh, cut all right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. We'll get to the Fetterman and Oz debate when we get back. Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. And I had a whole show planned of things I wanted to get to before I realized these three debates were going on tonight. Uh, Tudor Dixon slapping around Ava Perone, whooping her on the debate stage for the second time. Uh, Freakman and Oz is going on now. And I mean, honestly, I just said to the guys in the break, it, it's it's like, um, it's very um, almost sad. Is it, is is it almost really sad or is it actually on. really sad? Because the way you watched him open that debate saying, um, <laughs> hello and good hello, night. Hello, everybody. Good night. That, <laughs> that honestly looked like pure mental illness. That didn't he look said, like anything Good night, shorter. everybody. Yeah. yeah but that, that honestly, it, obviously, it was like vaudeville act stuff, right? Stuff you would see from, you know, it was an old, like it was an old vaudeville bit. You know, he well, didn't mean it that way. I mean, he's just lost. Play well, the clips. Yeah, Let's just, be the judges. Let's try to be civil. It's, it's just not. It's just everything upstairs is not working. It's just he should. Yeah. The bottom line is he shouldn't be in this position. People putting him in this position are trying to pull off a farce that they can't take this far. Right. He shouldn't be in this position. He should not Without be on the stage. It's embarrassing to him. It's embarrassing to his family. It should be embarrassing to the party. Quite frankly. How about the but country? Anything. Anything. The country. Yeah. Can't anything to retain power they don't care so here's just a taste of what it sounds like tonight let's start with cut uh, clip three of the fetterman uh g roll that your opponent has criticized democratic spending as you heard has the biden administration overspent and if so where do you think spending should be cut you have 60 seconds No, here's what I think we have to fight about inflation here right now. That's what we need to fight about inflation, you know, right now because it's a tax on working families, you know. And Dr. Oz can't possibly understand what that is like, you know. He has 10 gigantic mansions, you know. He, we, we must push back against corporate greed. We must make sure that we're also pushing back against <laughs> price gouging as well, too. You know, we also be able to make you know. more in Pennsylvania and make more in America, when he had a choice to make his merchandise, the Oz label is on, he made it all in China. You know, who can you believe that can fight against inflation and pushing back against corporate greed or somebody that is chosen working in China versus over 
American workers. All right, I will allow a 15-second rebuttal to his comments that you have been making things in China. Mr. Oz. Well, I've been trying to talk about policy issues with the people of Pennsylvania. As a doctor, I listen to their ideas, and I want to talk about them. When John Fetterman brings up houses, the irony is he didn't pay for his own house. He got it for a dollar from his sister, and he hasn't been able to earn a living on his own. He's lived off his parents. So it, it, it doesn't, it's not a topic that we should be debating on the stage. We should be talking about crime and inflation, the issues that are hurting Pennsylvanians that they're talking about at their kitchen table. That's uh, it. Uh, he got his Pennsylvania right, house from his own inlays from a, a dollar. Oh, come on. So that, that's that's the first one. Let's go. Let's just go a couple wow. more here. Um, clip four, G. This is the, they're asked about price gouging uh, and corporations. Roll that. In an op-ed for the Wilkes-Barre Times leader, you wrote, quote, it is time we crack down on the big price gouging corporations that are making record profits while jacking up prices for all of us. How do you plan to do this, sir? You mentioned price going after price gouging corporations. How do you plan to do this? You have 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. We have to keep pushing back on that. And he would never make that choice to, to fight for uh, for, for uh, America. Families here in Pennsylvania, you know, he has never met an air, uh, uh, an oil company that he doesn't swipe right about. You know, he has never been able to stand up for working about? families all across Pennsylvania. You know, we must push back. Inflation has hurt Americans and Pennsylvania's families, and it has given the oil companies how? record profits. The question: Wait, the how? What about the how? It's you, how. How you know are you going to do it? You know what? Here, here, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Um, it's not the stroke. The guy's not smart. He's, the guy's not smart. Like, for him to sit there and just start throwing up and, and literally vomiting, um, like, one-liners, like, talking points, like, going after uh, big corporations. And it, it's like, okay, but... Yeah, as Paul's going, like, well, explain it. What do you mean? He doesn't know. I don't think it's the fact that he can't articulate. He doesn't know. This guy has never been, never done anything on his own, has never been, you know, as Dr. Oz pointed out, he's never lived on his own. He's never done anything. He sponged off his family. Now he's sponging off the taxpayers. He sounds like Aunt Bethany from Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Last thing, next thing you're gonna, around Fetterman Christmas time, he's going to be putting a cat in a box and bringing it over for Christmas. All right, a couple more. We'll see if um, I got you. I mean, you on might this be one. you might be right, Rick. You might be right. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just that he's not that smart. I mean, I think it's probably a combination of both. I honestly but think let's... Rick's right on that because that looked to me like a guy who had absolutely no idea how to answer that question, other than right. just rephrase the question. And the bullet points that surrounded it. That's all he did was rephrase the yeah. Yeah, inflation bad, help people. Yeah, and, and point out Dr. Oz, he has houses. Okay. All right, let's deal, with, um, let's deal with the minimum wage. This is an argument that the Democrats always like to try to have. And when they're called on it to explain why a $15 or $17 minimum wage for somebody looking for their first job puts companies out of business, they don't seem to understand that. Um, clip 5G from the Fetterman debate, roll that. What do you say to small business owners who have told us that if the minimum wage were increased to $15 an hour, it would put them out of business? You have 30 seconds. Now, we, we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to, that's, that's the most American bargain, that if you work full-time, you should be able to live 
and dignity is well true. And I believe they haven't have any businesses being, being. Uh, you can't have businesses being subsidized by not paying ind uh, individuals that just simply can't evade to to pay their own way. But John Fetterman thinks the minimum wage is his weekly allowance from his parents. He's not really cognizant of the real challenges of business owners who've got to balance that with employees. Thankfully, we have a solution. And John, you didn't answer the question. You can't put businesses out of uh, commission in order to pay more wages because they won't be. The wages will go to zero, which is John Fetterman's radical plan. If you really follow to conclusion, here's what I would do. We have one of the richest energy states in the country. I believe if we could unleash the energy beneath our feet here in Pennsylvania, there'd be plenty of money to go around. We'd have increased wages, a more reason for students to take uh, uh, vocational classes to be able to learn trades, which I'm strongly supportive of. We'd also be able to pipe that gas, improve our economy, and reduce inflation. That's a plan that works, and it's humble enough that I can say broadly. Thank you. I want to I want to give you, uh, Mr. Fetterman, a 15-second follow-up to what he just said. About I wasn't listening. <laughs> Again, it's it's remarkable. He hasn't really had any answer that he actually had about that. Uh, in his, uh, he doesn't want to talk about answered. having somebody having a living wage and having somebody able to survive again <laughs> oh, okay uh one more and this is um we're not allowed to this laugh. is this is one i saw online this is this one i think is one of the rougher ones if this is the actual clip i think it is clip eight chief he's asked about uh supporting fracking roll that but you have made two conflicting statements regarding fracking. In a 2018 interview, you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. I never have. But earlier this month, you told an interviewer, quote, I support fracking. I support the energy independence that we should have here in the United States. So, Mr. Fetterman, please explain your changing position. 60 seconds. Uh uh, I've I've always supported fracking, and I always wow. believe that independence with our energy is is critical. We can't be held, you know, uh, you know, ransom to somebody like Russia. You know, I've always believed that energy independence is critical, and I've always believed that. And I do support fracking. I've never taken any money from their 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 industry, but I support how critical it is that we produce our own energy and create energy independence. I must correct the record. Uh, well, he uh, just a second, Mr. Oz. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So Listen how do you square the right two? Here. Uh, I, I I do support fracking, and I don't I don't I support fracking, and I stand and I do support fracking. Whoa! <laughs> so this is what's going on in the Pennsylvania debate tonight. He and again, probably would have been better off saying in 2018 I was kidding. I was just joking. I wasn't serious. No, I'm serious. Honestly, how does he get out of that one? I mean, I don't know, but I hope the pe people of Pennsylvania are paying close attention to this. This is the only chance you're going to get to see him um, ask any of these questions. And so far from what I've seen, like Rick says, it's a combination of he's just a dummy. And he clearly is not fit mentally or physically, quite frankly, to um, be dog catcher of Pennsylvania, never mind senator.
Yeah. And just to take it back to the previous clip when he talks about when he tries to rebut Dr. Oz and he says he he didn't answer the question that people should have a living wage. Dr. Oz was talking about making more than 15 bucks an hour. When you're talking about unleashing the energy independence that is possible in Pennsylvania and you're talking about the fracking and, and, the, and all, all the stuff that's attached to it, that pays more than 15 bucks an hour, you dummy. And I'm sorry, but he's a dummy. Well, listen, he's dumb. Energy independence equals liberty and freedom. Yeah. So the more and, and throughout history, the more energy, the more uh, resources that are, that are available at cheaper cost, just created more independence across the board. It made more of a you know horizontal you know economy as opposed to these vertical structures of controlled commodity. You know it, it, they know this, and once he gets in there, his masters will not support fracking and he's a puppet there's no way there's no way that he's going to let fracking happen energy independence happen in pennsylvania yeah and you know these these guys that 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 you know these they work in in the oil industry and and they do all this stuff and highly technical you know you gotta you gotta know what you're doing um they get paid big money to do this because it's got to be done safely and you think about all the ripple effect of the other industries that uh, coincide with this stuff, like yeah. like the safety stuff, like uh, all, endless, endless endless amounts endless. of infrastructure, and then not right. just that. The towns are where they where they start these big projects. Next thing you know, a little coffee shop pops up, and right. then next door to that, a little you know tool and dye shop. It's just the way it works. I next mean, thing you know, strip mall. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. I mean, and, and then more people, little locals get jobs. It's just yeah. that's what it means to have a horizontal economy, a Jeffersonian economy, as opposed to a Hamiltonian vertical structure. Well, here's how you know what's going on in Pennsylvania. Um, Joe Scarborough from MSNBC, the dumb host in the morning, just tweeted, this is painful to watch regardless of one's politics. <laughs> and I think that's that's the sentiment for most people. John Fetterman tonight also, I do not quote, I do not believe in supporting the Supreme Court. So these are some of, some of the other audio clips that are coming out of this um, I do feel bad for him a little bit. How did he get this far is really what I like to, you know, I mean, how, how, who supported, how did he get this far? I think we know. George Soros? I mean, when you have the left, when you have people on the left, hardcore leftists saying this is hard to watch no matter your politics, I think it pretty much tells you what's going on here. So, all right, we'll take a look at Tudor Dixon and uh, Ava Perone when we get back live from Studio 6B. Studio 6B on a Tuesday night covering the debates tonight that are going on all over. Obviously, Tudor and Ava Perone, Freakman and Oz, Hochul and Zeldin. Um, Joe Biden got his um, like 45th booster today after telling us that uh, the pandemic was over. Now he's telling us it's a grave threat again today. This guy's like a uh, he's like addicted to these shots. This guy he can't get enough. This is literally like his fifth or sixth one. It's like. Man, oh, man, you think about that system in his brain, how that works, and loaded it up with that crap. Holy cow. But he's just... Uh, it's probably just when, a beast. When's my next one? Shop. When am I getting my next one? Watch me. 
Um, Benny Johnson Watch on Twitter. Te <laughs> text from an old school Democrat friend of mine in Pennsylvania. Quote, what they're doing to Fetterman should be illegal. This is clearly abuse. It's insulting to us as Democrats to ask us to vote for a vegetable. Olivia Nuzzi from the Washington, uh, from New York Magazine, Washington correspondent, New York Magazine. There's no amount of empathy for and understanding about Fetterman's health and recovery that changes the fact that this is absolutely painful to watch. J.D. Vance, the media should absolutely be ashamed of themselves. So that is, um, that's just some of the live feedback that's coming. I mean, even the left can't argue this one on this debate. I mean, it's just so painful. It is so painful to watch. It's just, um, I mean, if you're not seeing it for yourself on some of these other clips, the things we haven't even gotten to that he says, just an absolute utter disaster. Meanwhile, Real Clear Politics is saying that uh, that Fetterman's got a 51-46 lead over him, so how? I mean, do, we trust, do we trust Pennsylvania's elections at all? <laughs> no. I mean, seriously, and if, this, if he wins this, can anybody possibly believe that the guy, this love doctor on national television, who's as centrist as it gets, is going to get blown out by this guy who really is completely lost. It's scary that we can't but, trust elections anymore. Yeah, I mean, not we only, just can't. Not only lost, but just looking at the guy, you don't get that warm and fuzzy feeling. You know, and a lot of it, let's face it, I mean, say, say what you want, but a lot of it is visual. We're visual creatures. We need to see things, and if we don't like what we see, we go, eh, I'm not really going to, I'm going to take a pass on that. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as that. I mean, you know, it sounds shallow, but it's true. If, if, if somebody looks like him coming down the street, are you going to run up and want to shake his hand? Nope. Probably not. You're going to be like, I think I've seen this guy in American History X. No, you're going to you're going to kind of, you know, hold hold your stuff a little tighter, you know, women are going to hold their purse to the to the other side. I'm not. Ah. No. I, I sound like him. No, you no, you may, but it's fair though. He really is a scary-looking guy. He's, a, he's uncomfortable to look at. Yep. And I'm sorry that plays a part in it. And anybody I mean, keeps saying, I, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, I don't like when they keep, when people keep saying that, that, that they're not informed. They, they, they're not telling you the truth. They right. keep going, you know, you know, you know, they're just taking for granted what you, that you know what they're talking about. And I don't hate that. I don't like when people speak like that. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, I think, I think, every, I, like I think all the right. points, I think Go all the points us. you've made are, are all valid, but I mean, I go back to what I said. To, to kind of sum all of what you all just set up, I, I don't know how anybody votes for this guy, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. I mean, to that point, Rick, that you're making, who looks at this guy and says that that's, <laughs> I feel comfortable with him representing me, that he's right. going to be able to go and get, I mean, who could vote for this guy? Seriously, if this guy was, if, the, uh, if Oz and Fetterman both starting a business and they, they need 20 employees, who are you gonna if you if you're one of the people gonna get that job, you could pick one of the two. You're gonna tell me you're gonna go at Fetterman, you're not gonna believe that business is gonna yeah. thrive. Oz looks like he's gonna make that business thrive. Right. And and essentially yes. what but what you're, you're what you're pointing out here, this is a job interview, right? These debates. These are job interviews. So you get to see yeah. what the these people who you wanna hire for this position, 
what they are, what they think like, you know, what they might do and say. I mean, it really is, a, you know, because you hear about it all the time, like, oh, we need to fire this politician. Well, we need to hire the right one in Pennsylvania, too. Without a doubt. You know, um, and he can't speak. And that's, that should be disqualifying because he literally cannot speak. If you had to bet a thousand bucks of your hard-earned money that you needed to pay the rent with on who would succeed, and you can't make a mistake because you got to keep that roof over your head, who are you betting on? Who, 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 who do you have to bet on to, that you believe is going to be more likely to get the job done? I mean, this yeah. is what this comes down to. So for me, if, I, don't, I don't know how this possibly – I'll be sick to my stomach, and I'm not a big Oz guy. Like, you know, you know I feel like he's – you know, I wish there was something better. Right. DeSantis-like. Yeah. Um, but we'll take what we can get, right? Um, if if this one goes down the toilet too, uh, especially in a state like Pennsylvania where we were so everything felt so rigged with the overnight three hundred thousand vote swinging, which I know I'm an election denier, I get it. I'll take whatever label you want to give me. Um, my faith in elections will really be dampened, to say the least. Yeah. All right, let's do some sports. We'll get back to this and hear what that is. Slick Rick, Rick Emirati, sports brought to you by MyPillow, mypillow.com slash LFS. 6B, what's going on, Slick Rick? Happy right, Big D, let me get to some quick scores here. Uh, NHL action, Bruins 2-1 to one over the Stars, 10 minutes to go in the third. Blue Jackets trail the Coyotes 5-1, to one, 9 minutes to go in the third as well. Devils over the Red Wings 4-2, to two, that's in the third. Wild lead the Canadians 2-1, to one, also third. And Rangers right now trailing the Avalanche at home in the Garden, 1-zip, uh, 11 minutes to go in the second period. NBA action uh, right now the Wizards 120-98 over the Pistons. Pelicans trailing the Mavs 84-87. Both those games are in the fourth and the Clippers over the th- uh, trail the Thunder 59-48. Eight minutes to go in the third. Shoot over here from Quick Sports here and uh, Mattress Mac. We talked about him last night. We got the World Series starting. A lot of folks in Texas getting excited about the Astros and in the aforementioned Pennsylvania, we have the Phillies. They'll be hosting a few games in the World Series starting on Friday. We'll keep track of that. But Mattress Mac in line for a record $75 million payout if Astros win the title. This is posted by Field Level Media. Jim Mattress Mac McInville has more reason to root for the Astros in the World Series than most Houston area fans. McInville, who owns the Houston-based gallery furniture chain, would pocket $75 mil if the Astros complete their championship run with a win over the Philadelphia Phillies in the Fall Classic. Action Network reported that the $75 million payout will be the largest in legal gambling history. According to USA Today, McInville bet $3 million on the Astros to win the World Series back in May. He has since placed another $7 million on Houston, he told Bleacher Report. Big money bets are nothing new to McInville. He won more than $15 million when Kansas won the NCAA tournament earlier this year after losing $9.5 million on wages that the Cincinnati Bengals would win the Super Bowl. He also dropped $6.15 million when Alabama fell to Georgia in the college football playoff. Unlike most bettors, though, McInville has a built-in backup system. He offers shoppers at his stores rebates if the team he has bet on wins. For example, consumers who bought a sleep set of 3000 or more this fall will get their money back if the Astros win the World Series. The plan drives business to gallery furniture, and it figures to be even more lucrative with the hometown Astros involved in the equation. So, good luck, Mattress Mac. I'm with you. I'm going to ride with the Astros. I think they're going to win this. I want to see Dusty Baker get one, and I think they're going to take take care of business. They look really strong. They haven't lost a playoff game yet.
And, uh, well, Nance is stepping down from NCAA tournament after this year. Ian Eagle uh, to Ian Eagle to replace him. This is from Paulson of Sports Media Watch. Longtime voice of the men's NCAA tournament, Jim Nance, is stepping down from the position after this coming season and will be replaced by Ian Eagle per New York uh, post. Nance has been the lead voice of the men's tournament since 1991, replacing Brent Musburger. Despite stepping down from the play-by-play, Nance reportedly intends to continue handling a trophy presentation. Also, he will continue to be on the CBS NFL. Just looks like he's dropping off the NCAA. Great voice. Great voice in any sport that he covers, including the Masters, which he will continue to do as well, but I guess he's got to tighten up his schedule. And speaking of tighten up schedules, Big D, back to you as we roll out of here. Hello, friends. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Hello, friends. Hello, everybody. Good night. All right, live from Studio 6P on a Tuesday. Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. We've been trying to track these debates as they're happening tonight. Fetterman and Oz and Tudor Dixon and Ava Perone. We'll get to a couple clips from that here in a second. And obviously Hochul and Zeldin started out the night. That was from 7 to 8 before we came on the air. And uh, Kathy Hochul just not, not up to it against Lee Zeldin. Not up to it. Now, I don't know if that means Zeldin's going to win, but the race is very close. And... Um, if New Yorkers are as fed up as you would think they are looking around at the state and what's going on, I would think that um, here's how here's how bad it is. I'll tell you this. We, we didn't get to this clip, but Kathy Hochul was actually asked about COVID vaccinations for kids in school, whether she would mandate it. And she uh, said no. Shockingly to me. She didn't. She almost, said not almost, now. Right. Yeah. She didn't say no. Fell off my chair. She didn't say no. I watched her say as of right now. No. Right. Not for this school year. She she's made that mean, distinction. No. That means she will do it down the road. She left the door open to say yes. That's what I heard. I, think, I heard yes. I think I think her leave, even leaving the door open to me was surprising. Given given what she's been like and given what most Democrat governors around the country have been like and Biden today getting his 900th shot and claiming that all of a sudden it's a big thing and everybody's going to have to get a shot once a year like it's the flu vaccine. And you've got all of these uh, COVID people from the administration, all, all these criminals now trying to rewrite history, Dr. Ja and all these other ones who are, who are wrong about everything. Now, all of a sudden, they're clinging back to the science and trying to stake out where their positions were and how different they were. Because uh, now all these reports are coming out that are, the, these school kids are so far behind and the toll that it's really taken, now you've got all the rats trying to jump ship or at least separate themselves out from the other rats. Uh, when they were wrong about transmission, they were wrong about testing, they were wrong about fatality rates, they were wrong about lockdowns, they were wrong about school closures, and all of them were longer than they now say they are, including Gretchen Whitmer in the debate tonight. None of them wanted kids in school. None of them rushed to get schools open. None of them rushed to get businesses open. They wanted us all hiding under our kitchen tables. They wanted to quarantine the healthy. Um, they got wrong with everything. Think about the way our lives changed, the way some of our businesses changed with these plexiglass windows and all this other crap that had nothing to do with stopping transmission. They've always been wrong about masks. They continue to push that nonsense. 
And most of all, they've been wrong about the vaccine efficacy from the, from the jump. And they've been all over the place on all these things. And now they're still trying to rewrite history and they're trying to restake their claim to where they were at the time. And they're all just lying. Uh, what was the clip, Fran? Clip three, G, roll that. Dr. Dow, I ask you for your uh, initial impression of the uh, NAEP report this week, the National uh, Assessment of Educational Progress. As a leading public health figure in the country, what was your takeaway from it? What should the public health community's lessons learned be? Yeah, so let's talk about what we know. There were obviously substantial learning losses um, because, uh, based on all the data we have because of uh, the fact that we did not have in-person education for many schools. And when the president took over, uh, as president in January of 2021, less than half of schools in America were open to full-time in-person education. Uh, within months, I mean, the president made a commitment, and within months, uh, basically every school, more than 99% of schools, uh, were open to in-person education. So this president has been very, very clear uh, that in-person education, in-person full-time education is the best form of education. And the administration has been committed to it. We, we uh, did a whole series of things to make that happen, prioritized teachers getting vaccinated, made sure there was funding for schools for testing, for improving indoor air quality. So the, the major lesson out of that is, I think if you're committed to keeping schools open, you can do it with the right tools. You just need leadership, and that's what this president has, uh, has demonstrated. Obviously, those learning losses are, are important. We've got to do everything we can to help kids catch up to learn, to, you know, basically if learning losses were because of lack of in-person education, then in-person education, then we're gonna have to, you know, continue to work on uh, after school uh, and, and summer schools and all the things that education experts, which I'm not an education expert, have been saying we need to do to help kids catch up. Do you think, the, sorry, do you think the public health community has, has learned uh, how it might advise the country going forward about this issue? If, well, there's no monolithic, so I was by fall of 2020 advocate pretty, vociferously arguing that we needed to get kids back in school. I think there are many of us in the public health community who are arguing for okay. in-person education. Okay, stop it. <laughs> that, that's, that's the point I wanted to get to. That is a lie. That is a sleight of hand. That is a play on words. That is a play on situation. What him, what he and all of his cohorts were pushing at the time was not, we got to get everything open. We got to get them back to school. It was, we have to meet a set of criteria to be able to think about getting it open. Well, if you go back and look at their criteria that they set then, schools wouldn't even be open now because they wanted case, they wanted like five cases a day across the country. They wanted right. one death across the whole. The, 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 what they set as standards that they would then think about opening schools were completely unreachable. They knew it, we knew it. So that is a lie that any of them were pushing for anything to get back open, to get kids in schools, get businesses open. That's a bunch of BS. That's a play on words. That's a sleight of hand. Because what they said at the time was, here's our criteria for thinking about getting it. And we were never going to meet that criteria ever. Yeah. And, and remember who was leading that charge, too, and pushing them in that direction. It was the teachers' unions. Remember them? Oh, we need more money. We got to have new, uh, new, new, uh, uh, air filtration systems in all the schools and and we uh, we have to make sure everybody's vaccinated everybody's this and and they didn't want to go back to school they didn't want to go back yep. to work the the teachers unions were just as as complicit if not more because yeah, let's face yeah. it it's teachers unions they don't care about kids 
kids they don't kids don't pay for you know their uh, their their union dues they take their money they take their money from the teachers most of whom don't even want to be in the unions because let's face it we know what the unions are up to and it's all about funneling money to the democrats and democratic causes that's what they do so, you know, when anybody goes, oh, well, you know, the teachers union, teachers union is about the teachers union and the people who run the teachers union. And that's it. They don't care about students. They really don't care about teachers. They just need teachers because they need their money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on, the, on the opposite side of the spectrum on all of this education, cut 11G, roll that. Well, I think his teacher pay is very important. And when Charlie Chris was governor, he did nothing about it for four years. In fact, he cut education $300 million. What have I done? We've done the largest increase in teacher compensation in the history of the state of Florida. As you mentioned, Liz, we now rank much higher with average minimum salary because we focused on that because we knew that was important to recruit good teachers. So we've raised the average minimum salary by over 20%. We're now number one in the Southeast. And I created with the legislature a categorical budget item where the money has to go to teacher salaries because what happens is we send the money to school districts you know his running mate is a teachers union boss she makes almost two hundred thousand dollars a year the teachers down in miami don't make that so i don't want the money going to teachers unions i want the money going in the pockets of teachers so we are going to do a billion dollar categorical in next year's budget uh we've made tremendous progress and we're going to continue to do it because we know how important it is we just got the nation's report card the results from all 50 states. Florida number three in fourth grade reading and number four in the country in fourth grade math. And if you adjust that for demographics, we are number one in the country in both. That would not have happened if we let Charlie Chris and his friends lock our kids out of school like they did in California and like they did in New York. We did Thank it right you, in Florida. I'm proud of our history. I don't want to teach kids to hate our country. I don't want to teach kids to hate each other. And the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. He's the best. It makes yeah. you want to move to Florida. He's fantastic. Yeah. And he's just so clear and he's so articulate and he's not afraid. He's just so he's so good at what he does, man. I and what's crazy is that it's makes perfect sense. He's not saying any he's not making some political argument. He's just telling you uh this is how you do it. Uh we increase the the salaries for teachers, now we have better teachers. Yeah. And the yeah. kids are, you know, reaping the rewards from that. You know what that clip should... reminded me of, Dave? You remember yeah, the old what? clip with Morgan Freeman and uh, Mike Wallace? And Mike Wallace yes. mentioned yes. to Morgan Freeman, he goes, yeah. you know, black what you being month. a black man? He goes, wait, why don't you just refer me to, as a man? Do you want me to refer you, to you as a Jewish man or something along those lines? That, right. that was an iconic clip. Yeah. That's yes. exactly he, he what that reminds about, me of. He asked him about Black History Month, and he said, ridiculous. And Mike Wallace said, ridiculous. He goes... Black history is American history. It can't be yeah. resigned to a month. Right. And, he, and so then, then, then the part you're talking about, they went on after that. He says, I think I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. I don't right. know you as right. a white guy who hosts uh, 60 Minutes, and you right. don't know or, me as a black guy who, who's an actor. Yep, yep. And Mike Wallace mentioned he was a Jewish person and said, do you want Jewish History Month? And he says, no. Why not? And he was just stumped. Right. He says, <laughs> I don't want to answer that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It just reminded me that the way he put that, right? I mean, it was just, let's stop it. Enough's enough. Because he's just going to talk common sense. He knows he's on the right side of the argument. He, he, he knows what he believes in. He can articulate what he believes in. He knows what he's done 
is in the best interest of the people he represents. And he's not afraid to go make the argument to the people because he believes, given the facts, the people will find that he's on the right side of history here. And so that's what he does. And, and, and you just don't see that um, in many leaders. You just don't see it. It's why we love President Trump. It's the same quality. He's just going to tell you like it is. He's going to do what he knows is right. Yeah, and that's it. So he's just speaking of taking out bad governors and maybe putting in a new one. Let's go to the Michigan debate. Let's start with clip five. G. I want to start backwards here because I want to hear uh, what Tudor did running down uh, Ava Perone's failures. Roll that. The governor is being dishonest once again, but that's what you do when you don't have policies to run on, when you killed more seniors than almost any other state, when you were told to stop the policy, but you kept it going, when you had such extreme unemployment fraud that you lost eight and a half billion dollars worth of taxpayer money. She crushed our economy. 3,000 businesses, 3,000 restaurants died under Gretchen Whitmer and never came back. Yeah. Um, this nailed again. Yeah. When you hold the mirror up to them and they get to see what they've done and then the, the voters, the potential voters get to also get reminded, you know, the, the great thing is, is what she's doing. Tudor Dixon is doing. She's reminding everybody, Hey, remember all these businesses. Remember that place you used to go? Not coming back. Who's, whose fault is that? Let's go a couple more here. Clip uh, four G uh, on the COVID mandates. Roll that. Well, as governor of Michigan, do you take them up on that recommendation and make sure that the COVID-19 vaccination be required for school attendance, Mrs. Dixon? Yeah, I want to be very clear about this. This is a parent's decision. There will never be a mandate for the COVID-19 vaccine for children to go to school in a Dixon administration. I'm anxious to hear what Gretchen Whitmer has to say because she was forcing the vaccine on people. You remember her program, Vax to Normal? You could only get your liberties and freedoms back if you got your neighbor vaccinated. She will likely push this on your children. I want you to know that I will never push the COVID-19 vaccine on your children. That is your choice, and it will always be your choice as long as I am your governor. Amen to that. Wow. I would love to have heard her answer. Yeah. Uh, Let's go clip two. One more from Tudor on uh, Whitmer's inability to fix Michigan's roads. Roll that. People are wondering when the road from their house to work will be fixed. When will that be a priority? Because it's absolutely true that a broken rim is devastating. I know because I had one this year. In fact, I've had five flat tires on these roads. They are a total disaster. And they're costing the people of Michigan $5,000 a year in road repairs. So if this is how she fixes the roads, well, I guess we can look back at her other promises, too. What were they? Transparency, clean water, fixing the roads. Failures. Ooh. Yeah. My understanding is that Whitmer really sounded like someone who was um, defeated. Live Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Let's do Crazy Town, G. Then we'll do sports. Jill and Kamala and Joe celebrate Diwali. Roll it. (laughs) Diwali. Diwali. 
Welcome to Diwali at the White House. Oh my God, Why look at that celebrate dress. light on the darkest you. night when the moon is hardest to find? Because that's when we need it most. Now I'm grateful to introduce a friend who has become a light to both Joe and to me. Kamala, your warmth, wisdom, and strength they hate each other. are a beacon to us all. Happy Diwali, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the White House is the people's house. And together, oh and we're people. Our president and first lady have once again made this place a place where every American can celebrate and honor their traditions. As with so many cultures, Diwali reminds us to see the light in our world, <laughs> in each other, and in ourselves, to shine our light in the darkness, <laughs> to fight Deep. for peace. Oh, yes, yes, yes. For justice, for understanding, even as powerful forces work to sow hate and division. And now it is my great honor to introduce a leader who fights every day to bring light <laughs> to our nation, our president, Joe Biden. Thank you, Kamala. And before I begin, how are you guys doing out front there? How are you? You want to come up here? Oh, he's creepy. You don't have to, but you can. Walk, walk. Can you walk him around? Oh, God. Uh, uh, Joe. Doesn't he have anybody tell him to stop this? This is my impression of light. Now, if you guys get bored, you can go back. Kamala, thank you very much. And one of the things I admire most about Kamala, she often, uh, she often talks about her mom. And like I'm getting a lot to talk about my mom these days. <laughs> but a few years, days ago, it was also Kamala's dress. birthday. She turned 30. Like, Happy birthday, great this. president. President, uh, we know uh, <laughs> yeah. your mom's always with you. Yeah. Ro and Raj, where are you? <laughs> are these your daughter, your children? <laughs> oh, God love you. It had to be yours. Is that, is that daddy? Is that daddy right there? Mm -hmm. yeah. no. I tell you what. We have a lot in common, old buddy. We both married way up. Are you, get, are you getting tired? Oh, my goodness. Leave the kids alone. What? Do you want to get a seat for you? <laughs> Listen to the kid. Oh, what? Okay, okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, and they, they are both uh, uh, very good friends and wanted to be here. Uh, Pramela, wait, wait. Pramela? Pramela. Oh, my God. And, uh, and Ami Barr wanted to be here. <laughs> Uh, they're also two great leaders who couldn't Short be here tonight. You know, that evening back in uh, 2016 came under darkness of the night sky, but also darkness from an election, a shadow of, and suspicion. Yet that night, that Diwali that night, we gathered together to cast the light of hope and belonging and purpose. What light we have more Asian Americans than ever you know before in history, and we also wanted to send this message to all of you here. Through all that you contribute as well beyond in every part of American life, thank you. Thank you for reflecting the soul of who we are as a nation. 
And what is a soul? I'm often asked since I said I always wanted to start a soul. I don't know. I haven't had one in a while. Well, the soul to me is the breath, the life, and the essence of who we are. The soul is what makes us us. Hate only hides. I used to think we could defeat hate coming out of the civil rights movement. But it only hides. It hides under rocks until it's given oxygen and it comes out when prejudiced (laughs) people speak it. Violent extremists and a rising threat. Failure to call it out is complicity. Where the American story depends, not in any one of us. It's impossible. You can sit down, John. Hard to stand. It's getting hard to stand, I think. He's so distracted. Remember, from darkness there's power in a gathering of late. You know, we just have to remember who we are. We're the United States of America. That was just painful town. <laughs> My mind's going blank now. <laughs> painful town. I like it. Oh, it's painful impossible. town. That might be a new segment right there. Painful town. Oh, it's so man. funny watching the fakeness between, you know, Kamala and Jill. Everyone knows they hate each other. Yeah. And you're a beacon yeah. of light. Yeah. That I want yeah. to snuff the life out of. Put on my pillow. Pillow. And I know you're uh, coming right, for do- my husband's job, and you're dead, B.I. <laughs> you know, see, they just she's not coming. For, she's not coming for anything polling the way she polled. I can tell you that. So. And then he refers um, to her as the president again. As the president, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, let's do some sports before we wrap it up in here with that. Slick Rick, Rick Emirati Sports brought to you by MyPillow, mypillow.com slash LFS6B. What's going on, Slick? All right, full disclosure, I did bear, recently buy a pair of boots the same green color as Jill's dress, and I got to show the shoes because they hit 10,000 tonight, Big D. Oh, so look, look at shoes. those babies. Whoa, I know what you the saying. Show the shoes, show the shoes. So there you go. What's, what's the design on those? It's kind of like a Fendi look, but it's not a Fendi, so don't be offended. But uh, anyway, that's that's my shoes tonight. Got a brown, you know, nice look with the suit. Anyway, what can Brown do for you, right? So let's get to the scores, Big D. NHL, good one. Rangers and Avalanche tied at one, end of two. Blackhawks lead the Panthers 2-0. That's mid-second. And, uh, well, we got a couple of finals in the books. Devils over the Red Wings, 6-2. Devils playing good hockey lately. And uh, Wild over the Canadians, 3-1. Uh, NBA action, we have the uh, Pistons uh, got pounded by the Wizards tonight, 120-99. to And the Pelicans, minus a few good players, uh, pulled it out against Dallas. 113, 111. And, uh, well, this is a good story. Missouri to honor victims of school shooting at Saturday's game. This is Alex Scarborough, ESPN staff writer. Missouri football coach Eliah Drinkwitz and his team will honor the victims of Monday shooting at a St. Louis high school when the Tigers play at South Carolina on Saturday. Drinkwitz opened his Tuesday news conference by reflecting on the shooting that resulted in the death of two people and injuries to several others. The 39-year-old father of four told reporters his thoughts and prayers were with all those affected. He also recognized that the issue of school shootings is all too familiar in the United States. In May, a gunman killed 19 children and two adults at a Uvalde, Texas elementary school. Drinkwood said in his statement, wasn't about politics. It's about protecting the future of our country and our children. 
are our future, he said, and we cannot continue to live like this. We just can't. Drinkwood said we need to get this right. We've got to figure out how we can uh, protect our kids from walking into schools afraid. He continued, that would be the last thing on their mind. That should be the last thing on their mind when they're walking into a school to learn and to grow and to mature and to become our future. So sports, once again, you know, bringing in tragedies like this and recognizing them, acknowledging them, not making it a political uh, arena. And uh, nice to see that. So Missouri, I'm going to have to pick them on Saturday and hope that they win. But, you know, you can't get caught up in those emotional picks. That's how you lose money. And Rory McIlroy, Damon's <laughs> favorite golfer, he wins the CJ Cup. I'm going to run out of time. He's going to be happy about that. And he returns to the world number one. Rory McIlroy, your favorite oh. golfer, Richland, South Carolina. Rory's long road back to number one. Is, uh, uh, went out down on the scorecard as bogeys on Sunday. But McIlroy reclaimed the number one ranking for the ninth time by holding off Kurt Kitamaya and enduring a nervous moment at the end with a three-putt bogey that gave him a four under 67. So, Rory, what's the story? Number one in the world. And Big D, I'll end on a good note. Show All the right. shoes. Very, All right. Very good, Slick Rick. <laughs> Uh, well, before we get out of here, I just want to remind uh, people in New Hampshire and in Arizona and Alaska that Mitch McConnell is um, actively fighting against the candidates, Don Bolduc, obviously Blake Masters, and uh, um, what's her name in Alaska that's running? Kelly uh, Shabaka. Uh, Mitch McConnell's actively taking money out of those races. So if you're in any of those places, make sure we get out the vote for those three because those are the three seats that we can win and need to win. If it wasn't for stupid marbles out there. All right. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. See you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. right here. Bye. Studio 6B.